0: Welcome to the Solution-Focused Schools Unlimited Podcast Series. My name is Dr. Linda Metcalf, and I'm the author of Counseling Towards Solutions, the first book written in 1995 that took the solution-focused approach into the classrooms for students in grades kindergarten through 12th grade. Now it is in production at Routledge. It will be its fourth printing, and it will be out in April 2021. This podcast is going to be a culmination of a year of all kinds of situations, challenges, and possibilities. Today in this podcast, I'm going to introduce to you an additional way of reaching students using a narrative therapy approach. To do that, I'd like for us to start off with a little bit of an exercise. So sit back and just for a minute, think back to a time when you were in school whether you were in elementary, middle school, high school, even college, and try to recall a teacher that did something that made a difference to you. What was it about that teacher? What, was, what did he or she do that got your attention immediately, and no matter what they said or when they said it, you were there to listen and you were excited? The chances are that teacher wasn't someone who gave you less work, but somehow inspired you and got you excited about who you were and what you were learning. Just think a minute about that teacher. Let that teacher come into your mind almost as if you can see them for a minute in your imagination. As if you were watching that teacher, what did he or she do that worked? Think back lectures, assignments, projects, interactions with the teacher. What did he or she do that worked? Next question, how did you respond to the teacher as a result of the way he or she worked, taught, interacted with you? What did it mean to you, the way he or she interacted with you? What did it mean to you to respond that way? And let's take it a step further. How are you still affected by such people today in your work and relationships? What values do those interactions with those people today bring to mind in you and honor in yourself What else? What else? These observations about how you learned best from maybe an early age and got motivated and inspired are still probably very valuable today as we talk about this today. I would invite you, the next time you seem a little bit off track with a project, a student, a teacher, to recall What happened in that context long ago with that teacher that made a difference to you? It might just give you a little extra push that you might need during this time. Now, you've been listening to me in these podcasts for quite a while, And you know that I have introduced three steps, the best hopes question, the preferred future question, and the exceptions discovering questions. What we just did in that first exercise was take the exception building question a little further. Instead of just asking about what it was that somebody did, if you notice, I added some words in there about what it meant to you when they did that. That brought out a little bit of something different, didn't it? Maybe you hadn't thought about what it meant. You just knew that it made you happy. But what did it really mean to you to have a teacher take the extra time that he or she did during those times? As we get into the next year, I'm going to be adding more narrative therapy ideas to the ideas I share with you in the Solution Focused Schools Unlimited podcast series Because I do think it enriches the model so much that it ended up in a book actually that I wrote that came out in 2017 called Solution-Focused Narrative Therapy. I put together a model of two models because for years I thought there was something that could be added to the marvelous solution-focused approach that might take it one step further. And just like with anything else, models need to evolve. And so far, I've been quite pleased with the way that people have utilized it and emailed me with what they've done with it. And so I thought, why not share it with you all? Some of my favorite, favorite people who listen in on these podcasts. My hope is that as we go through these ideas in a few minutes, that you might try them out on a student, a parent or teacher or even your family at times, if you're looking for something to really engage someone a little bit more emotionally. And I think you might find that there's a little bit of magic in this. So let's get started. Now, I will admit, I was a die-hard solution-focused therapist when I first learned the model. I loved it. I loved the brevity. I loved how people would respond when we had them look into the future. It was fantastic. But I started noticing, too, particularly with young people, that there were times when they came in and the problem was just taking over way too much. And so it almost seemed disrespectful, honestly, at first to say, so what are your best hopes? I kept thinking, okay, the solution-focused approach says step into the worldview of the client. So if they're sitting there so forlorn, steeped in a problem, who was I to say, okay, enough of that. Let's move on into the future. So I decided to listen to the model, which has always been something, by the way, that's given me relief or direction, and the model said step into the worldview. So stepping into the worldview meant saying something to a teenager, for example, who was concerned about being anxious, hmm, sounds like that anxiety is really, really tough. Why don't we talk about maybe what that anxiety is doing in your life and causing in your life to make things difficult for you? And I noticed that when I would cooperate, which is how I see that, with the student, they would often sit up and say, okay, yeah, well, you know, it's doing this and it's keeping me from doing my work and passing my tests like I used to. Just this week, I had a teenager whom I asked that question and he said, it makes me say things to my girlfriend that I regret later. Okay, and I asked him, what else does it do? He said, oh, it makes me say, I will start this homework and then I stop and then I go off and I get distracted because it's so hard with online learning and I come back and then I'm more anxious. I said, wow, this anxiety really seems to be taking over. How big is it on a scale of one to 10? Oh, miss, it's an 11 so we began talking about the anxiety, and and this was an example of, of course, externalizing anxiety. But as I did that, I noticed that, again, the teenager began to relax a little bit and be more open in telling me. And he was actually saying to me, you know, it feels good at least tell somebody about this. I said, yeah, seems like it does. Now that you've told me about all of the things that anxiety has done and caused and wreaked havoc in your life, let's imagine for a minute that when you leave my office this evening, you find a way to shrink that anxiety and maybe leave, maybe even leave a little bit of it here with me. I'll take care of it. What would I see you do this evening, just for this evening, to where you became bigger than that anxiety? What would others see? The teenager I was talking to about this week said, well, you would see me going home and greeting my parents because they're always glad to see me. And then you'd see me talking to my girlfriend. I'd be FaceTiming her and we would talk for a while. I said, how long? And he said, oh, several hours. And I thought, wow, several hours. And when I talked with her, I would be nice. I would be careful and I would think about what mood is she in right now? And instead of doing something, getting too anxious and saying something I would regret later, I might remember what mood she's in and respond different. And I thought, wow, how amazing that you would come up with such a good strategy. And he said, well, yeah, because I don't want, he said, if that's how I would keep the anxiety away, that's what I would do. And I invited him again to do that just for this evening. And at the end of the evening, I asked him if he would kindly, when he laid down to go to sleep, after those long hours with his girlfriend on the phone, would he ask himself, how did he do in terms of keeping anxiety pushed down, which was what his words were too. He said, I want to push that anxiety down before I talk to her and I asked him to think about what he did to keep the anxiety pushed down. Now that was a different process, wasn't it? Basically, still the same direction as we've been talking about over the past several podcasts, only it took a little bit of a sidetrack because the problem was just too prominent to say, what are your best hopes? We got there. But after I gave the client a chance to talk about it and the effects, that's the blend of the solution focused and narrative therapy approach. Taking the solution focused approach, which is very action oriented and forward directing and the narrative therapy approach, which gives us a little bit of time to kind of examine the issue that's intruding or like a boulder sitting in front of our direction describe it, and then think about what's it going to be like on the other side. And that seems to make a difference. Thank you so much for listening to this Solution-Focused School Unlimited podcast today. I appreciate your emails and your responses to the podcasts that I do, and that keeps me going and adding to them every single month. Speaking of adding things, beginning in January, on January the 6th, 2021, at 12 p.m. Central Time, I will be resuming the free Solution Focus Connection webinars. To register, just go to solutionfocusschool.com and register. Those webinars will be offered twice per month. And as usual, I welcome any topics you may have. The first one on January the 6th is going to be about students who shut down, how we can lift them up using the solution focused and narrative therapy approaches that you heard about in this podcast today. Thank you for all of your support.